This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufall and Stephen Mareska. Welcome to CyberSound. I'm your host, Jason Pufall, uh, joined today by Steve Mareska and Carrie Bonin. Uh, Carrie, welcome. Uh, resident uh, risk assessment and maybe you have NIST standards expert. Uh, right. So today, we're going to really focus the conversation around you know, doing risk assessments, uh, trying to understand a little bit better the, the distinction, say, between you know, risk assessments uh, broadly for information systems maybe versus uh, you know, those that might be more broader institutional risks perhaps. Uh, spend a little bit of time about you know, really the drivers, why you should do these, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe emphasizing not to overblow them. So, um, you know, Carrie, can you, can you just start and talk a little bit about you know, say what a what a risk assessment is, and, and maybe in con- comparison to some of the things that people are, are used to in this space. Uh, risk assessment is basically your company sitting down and looking at what could potentially be a business loss or a loss of business. Um, I think it's a very valuable exercise for any organization because um, going into any problems, knowing in advance you have some way to deal with threats, is always helpful. For example, the pandemic, if you had that or a shutdown procedure in place or have done a risk assessment based on shutdown, you may have uh, gone into the pandemic a little bit better than the rest of the So it's interesting that you bring up the pandemic right away um, because a lot of times that we're doing, that, that we're engaged in some risk assessment work, I find that a common question is, well, you know, what are we planning for? You know, what what type of risk are we really thinking about? And if you brought a pandemic forty eight months ago, I think people would say, well, you know, the last pandemic was you know the bubonic plague. Uh, you know, do I how big a risk is it? Is it something we really need to be thinking about? So I think it, it's really interesting to me that you bring that up because it clearly is important to think broadly about those things that might impact your business. And I, and I guess my question is. You know, when you're approaching this, and you know, we're, we're we're generally in that technology space, right? So we tend to focus more on technology risk. How much do you interleave sort of these business risks or the employee risks into the discussions you have? Well, I think it's a major part of any risk assessment is not only um, employees, natural disasters, environmental, physical, accidental. I mean, when you're talking about risk, you really want to narrow down to, well, I shouldn't say narrow, but <laughs> um, get down to what could potentially cause that loss of business. And it could be anything from a broken water main pipe. I mean, that's not something your IT department is considering when they're talking about risks. And I think if you get the heads of all of your departments together, you'll find that there's a lot of risks that you haven't addressed yet. It depends on the part of the organization that's thinking about it too. HR thinks about it in terms of human capital, of course. Finance thinks of it in terms of uh, revenue um, disruptions to uh, business due to uh, audit findings related to financial handling. Um, in more generally, it, you know, legal might think of it in terms of liability. The landscape is really broad and they all sort of are married at the core where it's about what might harm the business reputationally or in terms of revenue at the end of the day. 
And to get to those risks, I mean, you really want to take into consideration your threat and your vulnerability. So what is the threat and how likely is it to happen? And that's going to come up with the risks that you are going to then have to act on based on how high that risk is for your organization. So how do you track this? Right. So it's, so it's interesting. The other the part of the other discussion that we had you know, as we were planning for the podcast a little bit was, you know, let's make sure that we convey to people that this doesn't have to be an, an onerous process. And as we talk about it here, where we're talking about national disasters, we're talking about IT risks, we're talking about you know, all those sort of maybe common or less common events that might impact the business. How do you scope it so that you don't just end up too far afield in some of these discussions or, or make it feel like it has to be you know, this, this weekly event that you're trying to cover? It definitely doesn't have to be weekly. Okay. And it doesn't have to be that intensive. It can be um, you know, a couple of hours. You would sit down with your organization and decide the methodology you're going to use um, and then focus on what are some of the biggest risks. Maybe go by department and say, okay, what is your largest concern? What keeps you up at night? What is your thoughts on a potential risk to our business? I, I think of it as, as also in terms of perception as well, because it's not entirely internally focused, though risk assessments are naturally biased in that fashion. If, if a service organization is thinking about risks, it may simply be relative to perceived risks from external entities, uh, regulating bodies, and similar. So getting ahead of those components, even if they're not necessarily uh, internally identified risks, is also part of the, the conversation. So, I mean, I think we all can agree that you know, a risk assessment is good for every company, right? But, but certainly, you know, some are probably required uh, by you know, some regulation, perhaps, to, to have one, right? So, I would imagine there's probably degrees of a risk assessment that you might consider based on you know the type of client or maybe those things that they're being compelled to do. Sure. I mean, there's multiple types of risk assessments. If you have one based on a uh, framework, many of the frameworks now require risk assessment against those controls as part of being compliant with that framework. Other uh, regulatory Federal regulations, based on what type of business you're in, may require a risk assessment, again, specified towards that regulation and the information or type of business you're doing. Um, but in general, I don't think it has to be for, for everyday users that don't have these regulatory requirements. It, it's, it can be a much smaller process. It doesn't have to be this huge exercise. It can be something smaller where they just sit down and say, okay, let's talk about maybe the top 10 risks that we feel are a potential for our business that we could potentially um, have a loss of business out of. Okay. So ultimately, you know, don't bury your head in the sand. Even if, yeah. even if you're not you know, required to do it, uh, you know, think through some of these things that are going to be most most likely or most impactful and try to figure out how to deal with, you know, mitigating them uh, in some reasonable way, right? And there's always a cost component to that. 
I want to emphasize one of the points that Carrie made earlier, which is the fact that internal conversation is necessary within an organization. There might be risks that are presumed to be non-issues, which, when actually discussed, get discussed, become big issues. Uh, a silly example could be loss of power in an IT context. Maybe it's expected that a building with all of the servers in it has sufficient generating capacity to keep everything up and running. But that may not be true. It's just sort of a belief that it's happening, or maybe there's a line item to maintain generators. But if it's not being tested, if it's not being validated, if you don't know for sure, then it's a potential impact to business. And, you know, those conversations internally help to ferret out those uh, realities versus uh, believed risks. Another good example would be a floodplain. How many of you know whether your office is located in a floodplain? I don't. You have no idea. Unless you go and have that conversation with the town or your landlord or the business owner. Uh, how would you know if you're in a floodplain? Are your servers all on the first floor? Are they all, you know, within one foot of the ground? Are you going to have a problem when that, you know, 100-year flood comes through your area? Right. Um, other ones are, are lightning strike, for an example. I had a customer who got struck by lightning. So, okay, we're going to include this in our risk assessment going forward. But the probability, their theory was the probability of it happening again is probably very small. So I, I, I need to tease that out for a second, though. So you, do you had a customer whose building got struck by lightning or the individual? No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> the building got struck by lightning. Okay. So I, I was thinking, <laughs> oh, that, that's rough. <laughs> okay, so in that case, it was the building, not the person. Not the person, excuse okay. me. The okay, that's building was <laughs> The because, building was struck by lightning. I, mean, I guess in a lot of ways, right, there, that's two ways of thinking about risk, right? One yeah. is less likely than the other, but I suppose is a possibility. Well, and they, they figured this would happen. How many times do you do does a business get struck by lightning? Right. Well, well lightning never strikes the same place twice. So now they're, now they're that solved, That is proven right? incorrect. <laughs> they ended up having two lightning strikes really? the following year. And it became a much more likely scenario and a larger risk that they had to address. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. I, I mean, you just wouldn't think like that, right? No. I mean, that that's one of those you know, reasonably – obscure or low likelihood things, I suppose that in that case, maybe for whatever reason is higher likelihood. But, um, you know, I think about, we had discussions with one of our clients that I know was really concerned about being able to pay key vendors in the event of some sort of an IT outage. And, and their solution was to buy an old school typewriter to be able to print checks. And, and I bring that up primarily because I, I think I want to emphasize that just because you have a risk doesn't mean that there has to be a complicated solution to mitigating or dealing with it, right? I mean, there's right. there's a variety of ways to address these things, and some of them can be two hundred dollar, you know, typewriter, so or in an extra set of locks, right? You know, it doesn't have to be an, an expensive thing. There are ways to mitigate risk that are fairly inexpensive. I think this is a reasonable segue into simply itemizing risks so that you can plan reasonably for them. I mean, to your point. You know, it doesn't need to be particularly involved to remediate or to mitigate a problem. But we think of that in terms of risk tracking. We create risk registers to document risks that have been identified, to prioritize them organizationally for funds, to rank them in terms of relative severity. 
and overall document decisions made regarding those risks. It's it's a more nuanced part of the discussion. And when we talk about risk registers, I think some people, you know, shudder a little bit and wonder what kind of uh, level of effort that might mean. But I do want to say just, you know, a spreadsheet is reasonable. Every organization is different. What works for your organization may not work for the next organization. So it doesn't have to be to a specific standard as long as it's understood within your organization. Right. Uh, and and you don't have to deal with every risk, right? I mean, you could accept some of these risks for sure, right? I mean, there, there's generally, I, th I think for each risk, there's a decision that goes along with it, right? You're going to, yeah. you're going to address it. Uh, you're going to you know, maybe kick it down the road a little bit and deal with it in the future or just accept it altogether perhaps. Well, generally you want to uh, take the threat and the vulnerability and kind of graph it out as far as which ones are, are really the ones we need to focus on. So you don't want to focus on every single threat that your organization came up with. You want to focus on the ones that are going to cause the most damage, um, that are going to cause the most business loss that financially or production, however you, you deem this needs to be judged by. Um, and then you take, you sit down and decide what your budget allows to address. What can be addressed, as you said, easily and what maybe is going to take a little bit more budgetary planning to to it. To adhere to. And the flip side of that is what tolerance organizationally exists for certain risks to remain in place because the capital outlay might be rather substantial. Uh, you may need to replace a legacy system that you have uh, for providing software, you, you name it. But retaining it is critical for the current business. Perhaps you can do so safely. Therefore, you'll tolerate it until it's a, a larger problem and passing a threshold. Exactly. It just means... Um, reasonable forethought applied to risks that have been identified so that you can refer back to those decisions made in the past and change as needed. Going back to the lightning strike company, the first year they were like, all right, well, this was a risk we didn't see coming. But, <laughs> you know, we, we've had to replace several systems and, and now we're back up and running. I don't think we need to address this as a vulnerability because lightning doesn't strike twice. Well, in fact, it does. So it was one that they accepted the first year, second, and then again the third year. It became a little bit more of a focus, and this is no longer something we can accept. So it changes year to year. And, and I think you know it, it does speak to the imperfection of the process. You just yeah. you do the best you can with the information you have, and if that information changes for some reason, you get struck by lightning that second time, you reevaluate, and it might you know it might raise uh, in severity, right, or criticality. I think where the tone of the conversation changes is if there are third parties making demands of an organization to meet a certain level of right. risk or to resolve certain risks. And that's very common when we're dealing with banking, when we're dealing with organizations that need to process credit cards, that have regulated data in some capacity. I think the important thing to remember is that generally speaking, as long as there's a plan and you stick to your plan – there's really no ambiguity or urgency aside from that which was um, effectively selected by the organization to pursue. Yeah. It, there's a lot of anxiety associated with those external, uh, externally driven risk assessments. And I think that the, the main thing to keep in mind is that make a plan, you stick to the plan, and there's not much hot water you can get into.
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I feel like we have we have seen a variety of instances where they just don't want you know somebody doesn't want to see that you were negligent, and as long as you were you did go through the process of doing a, a risk assessment or trying to adhere to a standard and really outlining what your your remediation path was going to be, right? So your due diligence. Uh, that that's what people want to see. I, I, clearly, they don't want you to set at your risks for ten years. Right. But you know, there, there needs to be a, at least a recognition that, from a budget standpoint, you might not get to everything for for a period of time. If I'm doing crisis communications and there's a problem that's related to a risk, I want to be able to say, "Look, we identified this six months ago. We have a plan to remediate it. This plan has been advanced due to the problem that related is related but to the crisis at hand. But we knew about it yep. and we're acting to resolve it." It, it's a far better story than having to say it's it's a brand new problem we didn't know <laughs> we about. never thought about it before right right and i think going back to the pandemic i think a lot of companies ran into that saying oh we didn't actually plan for this to happen right, for this remote workforce or whatever the case might be but if you're doing that risk assessment you, you should be able to pull out you know what if the system goes down and everybody has to be remote that should have been a risk that you guys looked at to begin with right yeah, the you know I, I worked for an organization where we did we had a pandemic license for our VPN that we carried for wow. probably ten years, right? And, and basically, you just paid for the privilege of you know increasing your user count uh, for lower cost when the time comes. But and so you kind of buy an insurance in a way, and I think we carried that for ten years before finally we're like, well, we never never use this, <laughs> right? And I mean, we're, we're probably still going back, you know, eight or so years. So I don't know, but you know, it, it's just interesting the things that maybe seemed important that after a while they say, well, you know, there is, the, the likelihood of this happening is pretty low. I think we'll just you know, stop spending this money, it, you know, and there you go. And that that's another thing that should come out of your risk assessments is, uh, you know, how how vulnerable, how likely is this going to happen, and that will change where that falls in your priorities if it's a lower likelihood that it's going to happen, maybe that drops down a little bit. If it's zero likelihood, then yay, that comes completely off. But, you know, a pandemic was lower on everybody's likelihood register. For sure. Uh, I mean, it could, and it could be high likelihood, uh, cost you a million dollars to fix, but you know, potentially result in $50,000 worth of you know business loss, right? So there, there's that equation as well, which is Sure, this is likely to happen, but you know, to address it is going to cost way more than the impact ever would be. So we'll just we're just going to accept it, yeah, uh, which is totally yep. reasonable. Um, and with all risk assessments, that is one of the options. You can just accept it. I mean, it's it's totally up to your organization as what your threat tolerance is. Yep. The so I think we I, I feel like we touched. Pretty much in everything that we want to. I mean, I, you know, the takeaway that I that I think we really wanted to make sure we drove home was every organization should do a risk assessment, and it doesn't have to be run by an external entity. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, in in some cases there might be a good reason for that. Uh, you know, if you have a regulatory requirement, you know, of course, I think there's some good sense to that. Um, if you just want somebody who's done it formally and can help your organization walk through it. But even you know, even at its most basic, sitting down for a couple of hours, to your point, Carrie, and just talking about those things that might impact your business, it, it's just a good practice to do. Uh, any final points that you want to make before we look to close up? 
Um, other than, I don't know if we discussed it, but the, the types of risks that you want to look at, really don't limit them to your IT department, to the malicious actor. That just is not realistic. You also have accidental, you know, accidental human involvement, um, environmental, physical security. I mean, these you got to look at all the risks. Right. And, yeah, and balance them against each other. I've seen umbrellas in data centers before, <laughs> and uh, I think that sort of underscores your point in a, yes. in a silly sort of way. It does. Yeah, it, you've seen umbrellas in data centers for sure. Data centers tend not to get the best real estate, right? I mean, let's face it. No. So, uh, Actually, there was one other customer that had a building in um, – it was an old house that they had turned into an office building, and they had used what was originally for the – what I would imagine would have been the coat closet for the house turned into their server room. So when you walked in the door, the first door in front of you was the server room and quite often left open. And then you turned to look at, at the receptionist who was not always at her desk. So, I mean, if you're looking at something like that, your your risk is somebody actually coming in and walking away with your server. Sure. Um, and the vulnerability is kind of high if the door's open and it's the first thing you see, direct path outside. I mean, that's those are the type of things you really need to consider. I think that underscores, you know, that 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 common philosophy of you know, IT just needs to work. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be pretty. It doesn't have to, you know, in a lot of cases, I think people don't think it has to be secure. They just need, you know, they want to leave it alone because it feels you know, sort of fragile and tenuous. Uh, yeah, I mean, we see it all the time. But, Places where janitors' closets, you know, double up as a as a server farm. Uh, you know, huge fiber conduits running alongside of you know, air vents to the outside. Like you, know, when you look critically, there's there's risks all over the place. Whether you need to deal with them or not is a whole different story. But you know, looking and, and sort of cataloging them is always important. Uh, so on that, I think your know, advice is you know, follow through on a risk assessment internally, uh, get external support uh, if sort of the, the justification is there. Um, if you've got any comments on your know, ways that you've done risk assessments internally successfully, we'd love to hear them. Feel free to reach out to us at uh, Vancord on LinkedIn or Vancord Security at Twitter. We're always happy to have a conversation following this. Uh, and as always, we hope you got some value out of this. Uh, Steve, Kerry, thanks for joining today. And everybody have a good day. Stay vigilant. Stay resilient. This has been CyberSound.